Good morning. Merry Christmas. So to all those watching online and those in the house this morning, from Pastor Ryan, he sends so much love. Myself, Courtney, Rachel, our family wish each and every one of you a blessed and a peaceful Christmas. May you experience the presence of God this Christmas. And may your heart be filled with so much delight in knowing the Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. What a celebration today is the day we remember the birth of our Savior. The day everything changed. If it wasn't for Jesus, where would I be? I often ask myself that question, church, and honestly, my heart is filled with gratitude this morning. Because where would I be and who would I be if it wasn't for his great love? And so I am thankful this morning that Jesus came. God's plan for mankind was set in motion when heaven came to earth. And so we can join with the angels this morning singing glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to all men. You're grateful this morning? You're grateful that Jesus came? Amen. I want to ask a question this morning as I get started, probably more to parents and grandparents. How many of you have bought a gift for your child or grandchild at some point over the years? And when Christmas morning comes, you see them open that gift with so much delight and so much excitement, they can barely contain themselves. Cannot wait to tell everybody, show everybody, wear it, ride it, play with it, work out its functionalities, get the best use out of it. Yes? But after a couple of days, weeks, months, the novelty kind of wears off. And that excitement kind of fades. And that gift is put at the bottom of the cupboard in a shelf on a drawer, occasionally pulled out and enjoyed, but the novelty wears off. Being there, parents, it's that thing your child said, I have to have, it's now laying at the bottom of the cupboard. But it got me thinking this morning, church, how many of us have received the gift of salvation? The gift of Christ. But as time has gone, the awe and the wonder has faded. That appreciation and delight of wanting to tell everyone about Jesus has kind of faded. And we no longer have that zeal and appreciation and childlike faith and awe and wonder And our first love has kind of faded. And my prayer this morning, if that is any one of us, or all of us possibly, that God would touch our hearts this morning. That we would be impacted once again by his great love for you and me. And that the awe and wonder of Jesus would be stirred within us. That appreciation would return and that our first love and passion would be ignited once again, that really this morning we would make room for him to come in, let the king of glory come in and have his way. 
And truthfully, church, this Christmas, Christmas 2022, we would leave changed. That's my prayer for this morning. This won't be just another Christmas service, another tradition that we do, but really we would encounter God this morning and be marked by Him and changed by Him. So can we just open the service this morning, the word in prayer, as we commit our time to the Lord. Father, this morning, our hearts are filled with gratitude for your great love. Honestly, Lord, if it wasn't for you, where would we be? And so this morning, we've come to give you our worship, our praise, our thanksgiving, our adoration. Lord, this morning, my prayer is that you anoint my lips. Anoint the ears of those listening this morning. Father, would you place a guard over my mouth that I would not say a thing that is not on my Father's heart for this morning. And that you would use me this morning. Let your word go through with power, Lord, and may it touch every heart this morning, I pray. Lord, I ask hearts be rent open this morning to say, Lord, would you come in and would you do a new thing in me this morning? Just as Christ has been born, would he be birthed in each one of our hearts afresh this morning? Bring revelation of Jesus, I pray. Lord, I ask this morning, by the power of your spirit, you would change each one of us. May we not leave here the same. I pray we give you the honor and the glory due your name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So everybody loves Christmas, right? I love Christmas. The decorations, the lights, the gifts, the food, the fellowship, spending time with family. I love you, Aldrin. You're awesome. Spending time, I like that interaction. You're all welcome to speak back at me. (laughs) Isn't it awesome to walk in the malls and you hear the carols playing? Only time in the year that the world would tolerate the name of Jesus proclaimed over loudspeakers. So let's embrace the season. Let's be grateful the gospel is going out. Such an awesome time of the year. Nativity scenes set up in homes in shows and movies that you watch. And isn't it strange? Everyone seems to be okay with baby Jesus in the manger. The world seems quite okay with this. They really are okay with baby Jesus in a manger as long as we're not clear on who he is and we do not define him. Even other religions, Mormons, Buddhists, even Muslims, are okay with Jesus as a prophet and the wise teacher, as long as we do not define him as the Son of God, the one who forsook heaven, the glory, the worship, the honor to humble himself and come, to give his life as a sacrifice because it is by him only that man can be saved. As long as we do not define him as that, they're okay with baby Jesus in a manger. I want to ask a question. 2010, Guinea's World Book of Records noted or recorded the most expensive Christmas tree to that point ever decorated. 
valued at over $11 million, decorated with diamond rings, Rolex watches, 181 pieces of jewelry. Anyone know where this tree stood? Emirates Palace in Abu Dhabi. A Muslim nation where you dare not convert to Christianity. Church, can we see how Christmas has become commercialized, diluted, and misrepresented? I want to say this morning, if it's not about Christ, then let's call it something else. But really, Christ should be in the center of it all because he's the reason for the season. Amen. And if it was not for Christmas, there would be no Good Friday, no Resurrection Sunday, no ascension, no second coming, because without a start, there is no end. And when Jesus came, he had the end in mind. Sadly, though, many have taken Christmas. They're okay with baby Jesus in the manger, but that's where it ends. That's where the story ends for them. And the Christmas story doesn't end there. Because Isaiah 9 prophesies to the birth of our Savior, and it says, Unto you a baby will be born, talking of Christmas, and a son will be given, talking to salvation, redemption. So the full Christmas story doesn't end with baby Jesus in a manger. You see, Jesus came the first time as a baby. He will come the second time. As the Lion of Judah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, a righteous judge and ruler over every nation. That's the God we get to celebrate this morning. Amen. And when He came, He came with the end in mind. A way you and I should be living, isn't it? And so church, this morning, I want to take a couple of moments to go through some of the accounts of the birth of Jesus, Luke 1 and 2, Matthew 1 and 2 give detailed accounts. And just for the sake of time, because I know everyone wants to get home and eat their gammon, as Franco said, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through the whole account. But what I want to attempt to do this morning is to draw from four different people in these accounts, looking at their life and their response to Jesus and what the result was. Because I believe we can draw some lessons from that. And so two of these people, their response led them away from Jesus, causing them to miss him. Two of them led them straight to Jesus, giving them a first-hand account of Christ. And so the title of this morning's message is Christmas, A Right Response. Turn to your neighbor and say a right response to Christmas. So to start off with those that missed Christ was the innkeeper and King Herod. Now I want to just encourage you this morning, please don't say, oh, this Christmas story again. There is so much we can learn and draw as you read through scripture. But this morning, to highlight firstly the innkeeper, we know the story Bethlehem is buzzing, business is booming, and Jesus knocks on the door. The innkeeper's response is, there's no room for you. 
I think he got so busy and so caught up in the season, because remember there was a census and so caught up, so busy, that he misses the opportunity to have and host the presence of Jesus. And as I was preparing this, the Lord reminded me of a scripture in Revelation chapter 3, where the angel is talking to the lukewarm church. And the angel says that you've come to a place where you say that I have need of nothing, but actually you're wretched and poor. You see, this warning was not to the unbeliever, it was to the believer whose heart had grown cold towards the things of God and towards him. And the scripture says that the angel says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. You see, church, this wasn't a call to salvation. This was a call to relationship, to fellowship, to intimacy because he's talking to the believer. And I wonder this morning as we reflect on the innkeeper, how many of us have got so caught up in life, so busy. How many of us say that when things settle down, when things ease up, when the season's not so busy, then. And we filled our lives and our hearts with so much stuff that there's no longer room for Jesus. Maybe this morning our hearts have grown hard and cold towards him. Life has happened. Things have taken place and and our hearts have grown cold. You know this morning he's knocking. He says, will you make room for me to come in? I was thinking if I have a guest at my house, They're welcome to use my lounge, my kitchen, the guest toilet. But only family and really close friends are welcome to venture and have access to my whole home. If they're tired, they can take a nap on my bed. If they're cold and they're visiting, they can go to my cupboard and grab a coat. If one of my bath, the guest toilets is busy, they can use another one. That's the access that good friends and family have. I asked the question this morning, is Jesus just a guest? Are there some parts of our life that we've given him, but the rest we've shut down? We've turned him away. We've said, God, there's no room. There's no time. There's no capacity. There's no need. And so we silence the nudges and the prompting of his voice and we refuse to give him access to all parts of our life. This morning, Jesus is saying, Will you let me in? Will you be like the innkeeper that says there's no room for you and turn him away? And this response of the innkeeper causes him to miss Jesus. There's a right response this Christmas, church. And he's knocking on the door of every one of our hearts saying, that part, will you give it to me? Because Proverbs 4 says that out of the heart flows all issues of life. That's why Christ doesn't want behavior modification. He wants heart transformation. Because if it's just behavior, it's religion anyway. 
But when it's driven and motivated by the heart, it comes from a place of relationship. And he's saying, would you give me your heart this morning? Every part so that the king of glory can come in and you can experience his presence. A right response is needed this morning. Will you make room? The second person that misses Jesus is King Herod. Now, King Herod gets news that the king of the Jews has been born, Jesus. And he becomes very frustrated and troubled and threatened because there's another king on the scene. You see, on a throne, there's only place for one king. Many times we want Jesus. We just don't want to make him Lord and King. Because it means giving him authority and lordship in our life. And that may interfere with our plans and our dreams and our desires and our time and our finances and the outcome of what we're wanting. We still want the final say. A.W. Tozer puts it like this. He says, the reason many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little progress forward is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. Powerful quote. In Luke, Jesus is being dedicated. And Simeon says that because of him, by Jesus, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Let me say, I'm just going to give a moment. I just want Lydia, if you can just help. Is that all right? It says in scripture that through, the, through Jesus, the hearts of many the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Let me say, church, Jesus will challenge your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas, your plans. But we see with King Herod that when Jesus shows up and he rejects him, chaos comes to the land. Remember, King Herod gives a decree and says that all babies under the age of two, baby boys, are to be killed. Because the king arrives and he's rejected. The world is in chaos, church, because Jesus has been rejected. The world is in chaos. Lives are in chaos. Homes are in chaos. Marriages are in chaos because Jesus has been rejected as king. They want Jesus, baby Jesus, meek and mild, but reject his authority, his precepts, his principles, his commandments. Nations have turned their backs on God and they tolerate and cheer, accept and applaud everything that stands contrary to the truth of God. Lives lie in ruin, yet they refuse to return, to repent, and give God his rightful place. I want to ask a question this morning, church. Who's on the king? Who is the king of your heart? Who is on the throne of your life? Who has the final say? 
because there's a right response required for Christmas. Two people, same response, same result. They miss him. Leads them away from him. But in contrast to that, the shepherds and the wise men who respond correctly and it leads them to a first-hand account of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2 from verse 8 to 20, I'm not going to read the whole piece, but it gives the account of the shepherds out in the field. And there's two verses, verse 11 and 12, that says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. We know the story, right? We could quote it. What was the sign? Because truthfully, a baby laying in a manger, I mean, it's kind of uncommon, but did that really mark him as being the Savior? They said you will find him in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, but this is the sign. What we need to understand is in those times, there were shepherds that would fulfill a priestly duty. And what their role was is they would rear the little lambs that had been chosen to be the Passover lamb. And they would watch over them. Their responsibility was to rear and raise these lambs for the appointed Passover to to sacrifice them for the atonement of the sins of the people. But what they would do, because remember, the lamb had to be without spot or blemish. So to protect these lambs from cuts and injury out in the field, they would wrap them in swaddling cloth. And so when these shepherds get told that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, they understood in that moment, this is the Lamb of God. This is the spotless Lamb without blemish who has come to give His life as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. This is the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, the Healer. That which had been prophesied years before is now being fulfilled right in front of them. You see, church, His birth was already pointing to His death. This morning, I pray that you don't just see a baby in a manger, but you see a son that was given for you and me. A spotless lamb who gave his life, who came to rescue us, to redeem us, to save us. And after the angels have told the shepherds this news, what was their response? In Luke 2.16, it says they go with haste. Their response is obedience. Delayed obedience, church, is not obedience. When you've spent time figuring out the pros, the cons, you've weighed up everything, you've made plan B, should plan A fail, that's not obedience. That's figuring it out all on your own. When God speaks and we obey immediately, stepping out in faith, this response leads them straight to Jesus. 
The dictionary says obedience is to hear and do. It's submission to another's authority. This year we've been hearing over and over, God is looking for a people who will be obedient and will be faithful. Faithful with what he's given you and obedient with what he's asked of you. This morning, God is saying, will you respond in obedience? You see, their obedience led them to firsthand experience. And I want to say this morning, church, when God speaks and we step out in obedience, we get to experience God in ways that we would not naturally or ordinarily have experienced him. We start to partner with him and start to see the supernatural take place. We start to see him move. We start to experience breakthrough. But it requires obedience. Us to step out. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but maybe God has been speaking to you about something for some time. And there's been a fear, the what if. This Christmas, Would you respond in obedience? Would you step out and say, God, you came and my response matters to you? Because once they had experienced Jesus, firsthand accounts, it says they go out and they make him widely known. Everything they had heard, they make known. Everything that they had seen, they make known. They go out glorifying and praising God. You know what happens when we step in obedience and God shows up? Suddenly we become a living, breathing, walking testimony of the God that we serve. But it requires the right response. The wise men. Matthew 2 verse 11 says, when they came into the house, they saw the young child. It says house, not in, and it says child, not baby. That makes sense why Herod would say he wants the two-year-olds and under to be killed because baby Jesus was no longer in the manger when the wise men arrived. There's lots of debate of how long it took, and I'm not going to argue this morning. The important part to note is it was not an overnight journey. They came with their camels, their treasure boxes, and it took some time for them to arrive. But this is the point, church. Regardless of the inconvenience, they leave it all behind to follow him. They leave it all behind to follow him. King Herod says to them, when you find the child, come back, report to me so I too can go and worship. That shows us that their pursuit, their goal, their intention was worship. They started this journey with the end in mind. It was about worship. And I ask the question this morning, church. What could it be that we need to leave behind to follow him? What is it that's holding you back from effectively and wholeheartedly following Jesus? Worshipping him with all that you have. Could it be pain, regret, 
Could it be offense, unforgiveness? Could it be relationships or friendships? Could it be something of the past that is holding you back from being able to effectively follow Jesus? This morning, my encouragement is to you, would you leave it all behind? And I'm not downplaying church pain. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying the effect of what you may have gone through, but anything that holds you back from following Jesus and worshiping him wholeheartedly is not worth holding on to any longer. He can make all things new. He says, I came so that you may have life. But so often we can't move forward because we're dragging that which was into the now. And I encourage you this morning, church, Jesus came for your past. He's in the now. He's already in your future. Are we willing to lay it all down, leave it behind and follow him? Because the wise men had to leave it behind to follow, but then they had to come and lay it all down. What is it? What gift, what calling, what talent, what anointing have you got that you have not yet laid down at the altar for him? I believe there are many sitting here this morning that have yet to say, God, this gift that you've given me, this calling, this anointing, Lord, this talent that you've given me, it's come from you and today I choose to give it back to you for your glory, for your worship. My life is worship to you. What is it this morning that we need to lay down or can we not yet lay down because we haven't yet let go? And we're saying, but you don't understand what was. And because of that, I can't lay this down. I cannot allow God to use this thing. You don't understand my past. Let me say we all have a past. But his grace is greater. We all have pain. But he's come to bring healing. To restore and to redeem. And this morning, the question is, what is it that we need to lay down? Jesus came, church, for you, for me, for every one of us. And our response matters. Our response could either lead us away from him or could lead us to him. And you know, God wants to give you your own personal revelation of him. He doesn't want you living off secondhand revelation. Someone else's experience. He desires to give you a personal encounter, a personal revelation, a firsthand account. As you say, God, I choose to leave these things behind. I choose to lay it all at your feet, to take a hold of your hand and to follow you. He says, come, let's do it together. The wise men followed the star. 
and then it came to a stop. It says that it stood over where Jesus was. And they responded with so much joy and gladness and they went in, fell down and worshipped him. Church, there comes a time in our life where the star stands still. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. Will you come in and meet me? Because church, there should be a before the star stood still and then an after. Things should change. I was brought up in a Christian home. There came a point where I strayed. I wanted to be my own king. I wanted to have the final say. I wanted to do things my way. And yet I knew God was calling me. I resisted for so long. But there comes a time, church, where Jesus is standing in front of you and he says, will you respond? Will you fall down and worship me? Will you open up your heart and say, God, would you come in and work on that place that's become so hard and so rebellious or it's so hurt, so beat up? God, would you come in and have your way? Is it a thing I've been able to say, God, not my will, but yours be done? That's a daily commitment, church. It's not a once-off. Lord, not my will, not my way, but yours. God, I choose this day to walk in obedience. Irrespective of the inconvenience, what it may cost, Lord, I choose to leave behind what needs to be left behind so that I can wholeheartedly worship you, that my life can be worshiped, that you can use all that you've placed in me for your glory. There's people sitting here this morning. Your treasure box has a padlock on it. And there's gifts that are inside that need to be laid at the king's feet. And you're playing and taking time and saying, when I'm ready, I'll do it. Church, this morning, Jesus is here. The star is standing still and he's saying it's time to respond. Don't play games any longer. He's coming back. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your behavior. When he's got your heart, the behavior will follow. He's not interested in the religion. He's interested in the relationship. What a thought that the creator wants to fellowship with you and me. What a thought. And as I end this morning, Matthew 2 verse 12, the last verse that I want to highlight, it says, after the wise men had been with Jesus, they left a different way. We know what the scripture means. It went, they went a different route back home. I want to say, church, when you've encountered Jesus, you leave different. You live different. You talk different. You think different. You respond 
different. You cannot encounter Him and stay the same. You cannot. I'm not talking about a religious duty ticking the box and doing an emotional response. I'm not, I'm not concerned for an emotional response. I'm saying this morning, can our hearts connect with His? Can we open up our hearts and say, King of glory, come in. Have your way. Do your work. Change me. Because when it's real, church, we live different. And this is the beauty. When you live different, others see it. And you start to become the light or the star that leads others to him. But it starts with a response. Church, this morning, my prayer, this Christmas, may it not just be another Christmas. And we celebrate baby Jesus in a manger. But really that our hearts, our attitudes, and our lives will be postured in worship. It's the greatest response we could give him for a day like this. He's not interested in church attendance. He's interested in the condition of our heart. So this Christmas, could it be different for you? Could you recognize that the star is standing still above you this morning and Jesus is standing in front and he's saying, will you let me in? Will you let me do a transformational work in you? Will you allow today to mark a new thing? Because when we are in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. Can there be a BC moment and a stepping over this morning and saying, God, I take a hold of everything you came to give me. Because today, church, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Rescuer, our Deliverer, our Healer is born. Unto us, a child has been given. And to his kingdom, there will be no end.